Amen. Well, how exciting is this? Amen. This is so wonderful. We are so elated and excited uh, for this day uh, of to our, do our official launch of the Pentecostals of Central Coast. And it's wonderful to see, of course, a lot of our people that have traveled from Sydney, but also great to, to see and meet for the first time those of you that are from the Central Coast. And uh, we want to say thank you for being a part of this church. Amen. Amen. And we believe that God is, is have his hand upon this, this work and the work that Brother Greg and Sister Stephanie have done in, in starting this work. We did it gradually with preview services once a month, connect groups every Wednesday, small groups every Wednesday night. And now it's going to happen every single Sunday. Praise God. And it's my first time to be here at the Pentecostals of the Central Coast. And uh, I am so honored. And I've, I've, I've been given a time frame, so I've got to stick with that. Uh, uh, Brother, Brother Grantquist ministered, Brother Sister Grantquist ministered so beautifully today. And he talked about long-winded preachers. And so I want to try and avoid that, uh, that stigma of being a, a long-winded preacher. But uh, I am just so happy and so excited. This is the will of God. Uh, this is what God his burden has been, and, and uh, Brother Greg and Sister Stephanie felt that burden and the call of God to go into this area to be able to start a work, the, preaching the apostolic doctrine and seeing the Spirit of God uh, moving throughout this entire area of this region. It is a beautiful part of, of New South Wales and of Australia, and uh, we envy you and the space that you have. You're so close to the beach than some of us, and uh, it is really uh, wonderful. And I always say... If I ever moved out of Sydney, I don't think I could ever go back there again. Because there's just so many beautiful parts of Australia uh, that is so much nicer to, to live in. But uh, God has called us to Sydney. You know, there's uh, the calling of God. And um, uh, we're going to pray uh, some, uh, after this, uh, when I minister the Word of God, we're going to pray. We're going to pray also for ourselves, but also for uh, Brother Greg and Sister Stephanie. Uh, and so, let, if you have your Bibles, I just want to share some thoughts with you. Uh, from the book of Psalms 127, verse number 1 to 2. Psalms 127, verse 1 to 2. This is a new work, so we can, we can start all kinds of traditions that we want here. Again, I want to echo the words of Brother, Brother Greg, Pastor Greg, uh, to say how delighted we are to have Brother and Sister Granquist with us. And uh, so thankful that they've decided to be with us for this uh, launch service. And also, Brother Glenn Stewart, we're honored to have him with us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Psalms 127, verse number 1 to 2, a song of a sense of Solomon. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early. Uh, some of you your teenagers may want to quote that to your parents. There you go. It's in the Bible. We shouldn't have to wake up too early. To sit up late. Uh, may not like that one. To eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. I want to talk to you today on this thought, the house that God built. The house that God built. 
this is uh, an exciting time. And uh, it is part of the vision that we have with the Pentecostals of Sydney to start Daughter Works uh, everywhere that we can and to reach as many people as we can. This is in response uh, to the great commission that Jesus gave to the church. That's why we exist. We exist for those who are not here yet. We exist to preach the message of hope and to make sure that when our life on earth is through, that we know we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. Amen? Praise God. This psalm of the Song of Ascents, there's 15 of those psalms. This is the final one of the Psalm of Ascents. And uh, it is noted that pilgrims would, who would go to Jerusalem to, uh, for their festivals, for their feasts like Passover, they would sing these songs on their way up. That's why it's called a Psalm of Ascent. You're going up. And because Jerusalem, and in particular the temple, was set on a hill, they would go up. And some have said that every step that they would take, they would sing one of these psalms. And so the ultimate psalm is Psalms 127. That's the place where they get to the highest point where they are at a level with the temple. And so when they get to the temple, they are all of a sudden met with this incredible, uh, glorious building, edifice of the Temple of Solomon. This was, of course, written by Solomon. They would be struck with awe and inspired by this incredible temple that was built. It was so awe-inspiring that even the Queen of Sheba, who came to pay homage to the king, was saw it. The Bible says there was no breath in her. She, she, she was gasped at the wonder of Solomon's temple and also of his wisdom. And so when, when the people came to this final psalm, final, final step, they would see this house, and they wrote this psalm, and they would say, uh, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. There was something about it that was so grand. The, the magnitude of this building was so incredible that it just struck inspiration within them that they had to say, it had to be God that built this. It had to be the hand of the Lord that built this thing. And that's why they were so inspired by what they saw as they sang this song. And I think that's one thing that we've got to understand that the church of the living God is something that God builds. Amen. He is the author of it. He is the, the designer. He's the one that started this. He is the orchestrator of the church. Amen. The Bible tells us, Jesus said, he said to Peter, he said, you know, uh, you know, flesh and blood hasn't revealed it unto you, but upon this rock, he says, I, amen, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. So we can understand that it's God who's responsible for building the work of God. Amen. We've come into the kingdom, and he is the orchestrator of it. We might have Pastor Greg and Sister Stephanie leading the work, but behind all of that is God working in their hearts. Putting the burden in them. Amen. So no matter what, what is going on sometimes, maybe, maybe the equipment is not connected properly sometimes. Maybe we might sing a little off-key sometimes. Maybe the preaching doesn't always hit the ball out of the park sometimes. Amen. But you can understand it's still the church of the living God. He's still in the midst of his church. Amen. This was not Pastor Greg's idea. This was not my idea. This is God's idea. It's from 2,000 years ago when he gave the great commission, go to all the world and make disciples of all nations. That includes this coast. 
That includes every part of Australia where there's people, where there's no people. Well, there's got to have people, of course. But wherever there's one soul, we can go and fulfill the great commission. It's the, the plan of God. Amen. Amen. And there is no plan B. There's only one plan for the salvation and the redemption of a lost world. And that is the preaching of the cross and the establishing of the kingdom of God or the church of the living God. Amen. Unless the Lord builds the house. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we just sit back and say, okay, God, well, we're going to watch you construct the church. And No, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor. Amen. That means we still got to work. We still have to labor. And I promise you, you will not have two leaders that will not work harder. You have two leaders that will not work any harder than what they already do. They're going to still be at church. Brother Greg, when he came to me, he said, you know, Pastor, we just feel the burden uh, to start a work there in the Central Coast. And, and I said, all right, well, how are we going to do it? He said, well, you know, we could do it Sunday afternoon. And I said, well, I'm thinking in my mind, oh, I just lost my music director, just lost my administrator. Uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> That's my initial thought. You know, of course, the second thought was, well, for the glory of God and the expansion <laughs> of the kingdom. No, they said, no, we're going to keep doing what we're doing in, at POS, but we're going to go on a Saturday af Sunday afternoon. I said, well, all right. <laughs> I can live with that. <laughs> Amen. But you will not find two more hardworking people than uh, Pastor Greg and Sister, Sister Stephanie. And I believe God's going to bless them. He's going to honor them. Amen. So we still got to labor. Amen. And so I want to invite all of you that are part of the work here to get involved, to labor, amen, because he, we're just, we're going to be laboring in vain, but it still says that we have to labor, even though he builds it, amen, God's not going to put the chairs out. I'm sorry, that would be nice. God, can you set your angels to, when we get there, music set up, wouldn't that be amazing? Just come in, well, we're hoping we can set something up so that that'll be the case, but, but you know, it's, it's the church. We still have to labor. We still have to work. We still have to be faithful. Sometimes it's blood, sweat, and tears. Pastor, uh, Pastor Granquist, it's, it's just, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, answering phone calls, driving halfway across uh, the state sometimes, going here, there, and everywhere. But let me tell you, God is still in charge. And when we labor, when we work for the kingdom of God, God blesses our efforts. He's the one that brings the increase. Remember what the word of God says. One waters, another plants, but God gives the increase. But he can only give an increase to what we labor in, to what hours we put in, to the efforts that we put in. And if you put the effort in, if you labor, if you're faithful, God will bless that. He doesn't bless laziness, I'm sorry. Oh, the Lord's going to, I heard pastor preach that, the Lord's going to build it, so I'll just, I'll just take it easy and put my feet up. And, and take it easy. No, that, that what this means is, now, when we, Solomon was referring to the temple. It doesn't mean, didn't mean that, that God came and built the temple of Solomon. The temple of Solomon arguably should have been included in one of the seven wonders of the ancient world because it was just so magnificent. But it wasn't necessarily included. And so when we say that the Lord builds a house, it doesn't mean that he's going to do the physical work. But it means, first of all, that he's the one that started it. This is his desire. This is his intention. 
In fact, he desired it so much that the Bible says he came into this world and robed himself in flesh, walked this earth, and as a man died on the cross so that he could bring a people to himself. Amen. And this still, 2,000 years later, still one of the greatest institutions that has affected this world is the church of the living God. Amen. And so this is the will of God. This is the burden of the Lord. It is his desire. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 18, the Lord said unto David, my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house to my name, he says, you did well, but it was in your heart. He says, you've done a good thing because it's in your heart to do something for God. It's a good thing. And I believe it is a God thing. It comes from the Lord. Haggai chapter 1 tells us when God is talking to his people, he tells them, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood. Build the house and I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. See, God is interested in what we do for the kingdom of God. He, he wants to bless us. God is a blesser. But it is possible to be so self-absorbed and so consumed with our own lives that that all we care about is our home, what we get, money that we get in our pockets, uh, what we do, our accomplishments, that we can often neglect the, the work of God. And this was a strong rebuke from the Lord to his people because we're so busy with our own houses that we've neglected the house of God. Now, what I'm talking about, the house of God in the church, is not necessarily a building. One day we want to see a building here in the Central Coast, our own church building. That's our desire. But the house of God is talking about the church of the living God. Not just brick and mortar, not just uh, houses, walls and ceilings, but we're talking about the kingdom of God. Souls, people who are lost, who need to be saved. People who need the, the spirit of God to fill them so that they can be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. And God's calling us to labor in those things so that we can reach the lost. Amen. It is God who gives us the power to work. Amen. That's what it means when he builds a house. Unless the Lord builds a house, they the labor are laboring in vain. It is the, the supernatural power of God that enables us to be able to do the things that we do. It is very easy for us to see the outward, the physical, and simply look at a man, simply look with eyes of, of carnality, and not recognize that behind that there is the supernatural workings of God. Amen. So we can be sitting in a church service today looking at the, the walls and looking at a, a person standing at this platform and hearing words that may be just be coming from a man. But I want you to understand that it's behind all of that, inspiring and moving all of that is the Spirit of God. Amen. Because a miracle doesn't always look like a miracle, Brother Granquist. It may just look like an ordinary thing. It may just look like flesh and blood and hands and feet and just, oh, it's, it's Pastor Greg preaching again. But let me tell you, when you come into the house of God, you enter into a supernatural dimension. Amen. So don't let the physical circumstances rob you of the spiritual reality that we have come into. 
Amen. It might just be the same songs we sing, the same circumstances, but there is a supernatural reality and presence of God because that's how he's building. Amen. He uses the preaching of the word of God to save. Well, it may just be words come from the mouth of a man, but listen to me. If you take those words coming from the preacher and believe it by faith as God's word, something powerful can happen in your life. Come on, somebody. When you mix it together with faith, if you, if you look beyond the physical and said behind that is the inspiration of God. God is using my pastor to speak through me. Amen. And you stir up your heart and believe it for God's word. I promise you, you can see the power of God manifesting in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't worry. You won't have to hear me shout every week. You can hear. Amen. That, that's for the poor folks back in POS. That's. But when the Bible says God that builds a house, God that builds a church, he's not doing the physical stuff, but there's something behind it, the supernatural that takes place. That's why church ought to be a place where you can't always explain everything that's going on. That's why church ought to be a place where, where, where you can't always put a finger or quantify everything that happens. We believe in the supernatural. I said we believe in the supernatural. Some folks try to tell you, oh, it stopped, you know, that miracle stopped with the disciples. It stopped 2,000 years ago. It doesn't happen again. Well, I beg to differ, and I challenge anybody to show me a scripture where it says it's no longer applicable, that somehow it died with the apostles. Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these. Hallelujah. He says, for this is unto you, he said, and unto your children and to all that are far off. Like that always kind of astounds me that, oh, so it's only for them and their children, but not their grandchildren. Can you imagine, you know, the apostles, Peter and, and John, and said, you know, they have their grandkids. and said, sorry, grandkids, you can't get the Holy Ghost because it's only for me and my children, not my grandchildren. That's not what it means. It means for their, their lineage, for those coming after them, their, 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 their inheritance, everybody. It's for all whosoever will. Amen. And so some Sundays, well, you know, it may be boring sometimes, perhaps for some. But I, I believe that every time we gather together, God can do something in our midst. That God can bring a here. And sometimes the miracle doesn't always look like an outward sign. It doesn't look like some kind of sensational manifestation. Sometimes it could be something on the inward. Somebody's sitting there and all of a sudden the word of God is being preached. And, and chains and bondages that are internal are being broken, are being set free. Amen. Even as they're sitting there. And they may not be shouting. Tear might just be rolling down the side of their face. But I'm telling you, there's a supernatural element to the kingdom of God. Amen. Because the church is supernatural. The Bible tells us the word of God, it is inspired. The word of God came, the Bible tells us, uh, by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable. All scripture, he says, is inspired by God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. He says, above all, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture 
ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Now, that doesn't mean that those prophets were, were, were uh, possessed by the Spirit. It says they were moved. They were inspired. Inspiration does not mean possession. It didn't come down and start mouthing the words through their mouth. But somehow God spoke to them in their hearts and in their minds. And they began to speak. And that's why we have the Bible. We have a Bible because men wrote it by the inspiration of God. God gave them the words for them to be able to speak. And let me tell you, in the same way, God's not going to possess the pastor. He's not going to possess the preacher. Oh, but he's going to inspire the man of God to bring to us the word of the Lord that we need to hear. Amen. I'm so thankful for the word of God. I'm so thankful for scripture. That God has preserved for us the holy scriptures. That we can know how to stand upon God's word. That we can know what it means to be saved. That we can know what it means how to get to heaven. Praise God. We've got the word of God. And even if it's just coming from the mouth of a human mortal being, it's still the voice of God speaking to us. Amen. Nehemiah traded a cup. Or a trowel, a spade. He was holding a, a cup in his hand. He was a cupbearer. But when he felt the burden of God to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, he gave up the cup and instead he picked up a, an instrument of construction, a tool by which he can rebuild the kingdom of God. I want to encourage all of you that are going to be a part of the Pentecostals of Central Coast that you take up a tool that you pick up an instrument, that you come and work and serve alongside, and we will see a kingdom, a church here expanded throughout this entire area with souls being added to the kingdom in this church. Amen. God will bless the work of our hands. Amen. That's what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse number 12. The Lord will open to you, he said, his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in the season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not need ever to borrow. Amen. I believe that when the church comes together, it might even just be a handful of people to start off this work. And it was always just a handful of people to start. He just started off with 12 disciples. With 12 men, he turned the world upside down. We heard from Brother and Sister Granquist that they started off with eight people when they first started pastoring. And now, and then they, when they retired from that church, it was a, a full-grown, full-blown church. It's the same when we come together. Amen. It's, we don't have to have many, but if we have a handful, then if you work together united, you rally around brother, brother Greg and Sister Stephanie, God can work that. He can use that. Amen. Because there is power, come on, in unity. Hallelujah. I, I, I don't, you know... Bruce Lee has the one finger punch. <laughs> I can't do much with one finger, but if I get all five fingers and I unite them together and to make one fist, I'm telling you, I'm going to be able to make an impact. Maybe not as much of an impact as some of you guys, but, but I can make an impact. If I put these five fingers together, I'm telling you, it has the ability to break something. Amen. And when we come together, united for the cause, say, Pastor, we're here with you. We'll do whatever we can. We're going to surround you. We're going to pray together. Claim this city for Jesus. We're going to make an impact 
in this community. I believe I'm believing for revival. I'm believing for the apostolic truth and the spirit of God to be poured out in this city. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody else believe that with me? Anybody else want to get united? Oh, he's going to build it. But we're going to labor together. Hallelujah. I, I've got to close. I'm not used to this, but I've been going for 23 minutes, so I've got to close. Amen. This is a house of grace and truth. That means we are all recipients. We are sinners saved by grace. That's what Paul says. So, so we, we're open to every, anybody. Everybody's welcome in this church. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter how you dress. You're welcome in this church. This is a house of grace. This is a house of love. God loved us even when we were sinners. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. So we're going to love everybody. Doesn't matter where they are. But we're going to love them because this is the house of grace, but this is also a house of truth. We love them so much that we're going to tell the truth to people of what they have to do to live according to what's pleasing to God. Not to earn salvation, but because they love the Lord. The pastor is going to preach the truth. He's going to tell you from the word of God. And I, know this, I know this young man for how many years now, Brother Greg? Since 2008. He's been working beside me in the church all these years. And it brings me to tears to see them uh, potentially leaving us. But uh, not really. He'll still be a POS. But it may come a time, bro. The church will grow so rapidly. And that's what we're believing for. This is a house of grace, but also a house of truth. This will be a house of prayer and a house of praise where we're going to rejoice. We're going to commune with God. This is not, again, it's not an entertainment center. It's not where we, we have great music. You've got some of the best here. Of music and singing, but but it's not here to entertain, but to worship God and to commune with the Lord. And this will be a house of the miraculous, the miracles of salvation, where people become saved. Now I'm closing. Musicians, you can come. This is the house of the miraculous, where we can see miracles take place, healing, instant healing. Instant deliverance. The greatest miracle of all is, is when a soul living their whole life in sin, somehow they, a friend invites them to come. They got nothing better to do on a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. They come, they sit in the back, arms folded because they're a little, little bit feeling insecure in a new, new place. And something, they begin to hear the word of God. They feel something in their hearts. So there's, there's something there. And at that instant, somehow they, in their chair, they begin to repent before the Lord. They receive God's grace and forgiveness. And out of His grace and goodness, they see that Jesus paid the price for their souls on the cross. Shed His blood for them so that they can be in eternity with God forever. None that, with that understanding, they come to their, their repentance. They say, Lord, forgive me. I want to be a follower of you. I'm, I'm tired, Lord. My brother-in-law 
was a minister, backslid for many years, 12 years, backslid. Hospital, even died in hospital. Was in prison. Went to go visit him in prison and, you know, he would tell such amazing stories that you felt like going into prison with him. Like, man, it sounds glamorous in there. That's... For 12 years, we told, yeah, I mean, you could come back. You got to come back. Didn't, wouldn't make a move. All of a sudden, one day, he just walked back into church. Walked in out of his own volition. I said, what's going on, bro? He says, man, I'm just tired. I'm tired of living without God. Living for God is hard, folks. But living without God is even harder. Even harder. And to me, that's one of the greatest miracles when I see a brother who's so stubborn, couldn't even listen to me, all of our appeals for 12 years. Only God can do that work where he walks in, repents of his sin. God restores him. Now he's, pre, he's a minister of the gospel. Praying he'll be back soon. He's, in, he's evangelizing at the moment. Love you, bro. But I want to close with this one story in the Bible. Jesus comes to this woman who's lost her husband. He was a prophet. And the sons were about to be sold into indentured slavery because he had so much debt. She said to him, he asked her, what do you have in the house? She said, I've got nothing but a pot of oil, just a little pot. He said, go. He said this, go and borrow all the vessels that you can from all of your neighbors. Bring them to your house. Bring them into the house. And he said, take the little pot and begin to pour. By the end of the story, every pot, every vessel that she brought into the house was filled from one little pot. The miracle never stopped. The only time... The miracle ever stopped was when she stopped pouring. If you keep pouring, if you just get empty vessels in here, empty lives, broken lives, broken vessels, bring them in, bring them in, and begin to pour. I'm telling you, the miraculous will continue to pour through this church, through the individuals of this church, and God will bless. This is a house of miracles. Because this is the house where we're going to pour out. We're going to pour out and give of our hearts. Would you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here this morning, this evening. I feel like God wants to work in our hearts right now before the service is through. I know the launch service, but this is church, folks. And so I want to invite you. I want to open up this altar shortly. I'm going to ask you to come and spend some time with the Lord to pray before we pray for our pastor. But if you want to be a part of what God wants to do in this part of his vineyard, of this portion of, this, of God's kingdom, I believe God will use you right now. So if you lift your voices in Jesus' name, I'm going to pray. Father, right now, Lord God, we've come into your kingdom. We've come into your house, your building. You've got to build it, Lord. We can't rely on our own abilities. We can't rely on our own talent. But God, we want you. We, we need you to intervene. We need you to step in and help us to change, to become new, 
to be anointed to reach our world, to be empowered, to be a voice in this world, oh God, to be witnesses, to shine your light in the darkness of this world, to lost people that they may see your light. Oh Lord, let us not hide our light under a bushel, but let it be set upon a hill that they may see and glorify God in the name of Jesus. Oh, we give our hearts to you right now. Hallelujah. I want to open up this altar. If you'd like to step out of your seat, there's room here. If you'd like to pray and make a commitment to the Lord, say, God, yes, Lord, I want to be a used of you. I want to be your vessel. I want to invite you to come out of your seat and find a place to pray for just a few moments. Hallelujah. Unless you pour out, you're not going to see a miracle. Unless you're willing to step out, you're not going to see the hand of God. But faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You've got to take that risk. You've got to stop. I want to open this altar right now if you'd like to come. If you're from the Central Coast and want to make a special invitation to you to pray, we'll minister to you and use you and anoint you. This doesn't mean that you're a sinner, but it means you want to make yourself available. Please come forward. Come. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. This altar is open. Ministers and leaders, why don't you come? Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. God is working. Come on to the master. He's going to heal and deliver. He's going to set you free. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I feel the Spirit of God moving. You want the Holy Ghost? Why don't you come? Oh, yes, Lord. Thank Jesus. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Come on, reach out to the Lord wherever you are. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's it. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in this house. God is moving on some of you. Let the miracles take place. Let the supernatural power of God work on your heart. In the name of Jesus. 
Yeah.